This is the Life in the Front Office podcast. I want to first thank all of our listeners to making this a success and helping us continue to grow. We bring on sports executives and professionals from around the industry, all different aspects of the industry, to provide insights and advice for those who are trying to enter the sports industry or those who are already in the industry just looking to learn something new and continue to get better. If you like our episode, please rate us on Apple Podcasts, leave a review, and visit our website at lifeinthefrontoffice.com for more episodes. Welcome back to Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and we've got part two today with Gene Afterman, assistant GM of the Yankees, along with my co-host, Pat Gallagher. And Pat, uh, you know, reflecting on part one with Gene and, and her career path and, and how she got to you know, being the assistant general manager of the Yankees and, and understanding uh, her background, we wanted to dive into what is it truly like to be uh, in the front office at that level? Um, you know, as, as, as both of you will know, when you ask someone younger, uh, whether they're in school or just starting in their career and you ask them that, what they want to be, you know, and, and if it has anything to do with baseball, the answer is, I want to be a general manager. <laughs> well, of course. So, well, of course they do. And Gene, Gene, you're about the closest it gets. So yeah, but, but, uh, why but, not? But Gene, you know, I, and I would describe it. I always used to describe it um, as almost like being at the tip of the iceberg. But, you know, the rest of the iceberg that's sort of below the water, there's all kinds of dedicated people yes. that make up that make up, you know, what it takes. And Gina, one of the things I read that you, you talked about are the people who are sort of the the unseen people who make it all work, um, because you have to have those yes. to and and most of us sort of start out that way. So describe some of these some of the roles of the people who are in the front office that um, that that allow you to do what you do. So, so first, I'm probably the only person in all of Major League Baseball history who's made it quite clear um, publicly that I do not want to be a general manager. So that's, <laughs> that's, um, that is that that I've got that I'm a trailblazer in that regard. Um, so, um, you know, we have, as I said, we started off when I started way back in 2001. It was just Brian, myself, um, Mary Polino, who has been the general manager secretary for. Um, a very long time. I think she served the last four or five general managers. Um, and, uh, and we had one or two assistants and that was it. So um, before the players take the field, there is an enormous amount of work that has to be done. Um, I, it's almost upstairs, downstairs. So downstairs, um, I'll put that aside for the moment, which is the traveling party and the coaches and the manager and, and the staff um, that, uh, you know, that travel with the players and work down in the clubhouse. But upstairs, um, you know, the game has changed a lot. And so we have, uh, you know, an, an army of um, uh, predictive analysts who are constantly um, pouring over data um, and video to try and, you know, make predictions. That's really what it is. It's, it's, it's you're trying to kind of, um, and everybody is predictable um, to a certain extent. There's a little bit of magic that goes in there, but um, the, you know, trying to predict what will happen if somebody throws one kind of pitch to one kind of guy, if it's during the day, if it's during the night, if there's a man on second, if all of those things are trying to create um, volumes of information that can be provided to the players um, so, to, so they can prepare themselves to go out on the field. And then in addition, um, I mean, we have 
you know, what I do is Brian always told me when I first came to the Yankees that the general, the assistant general manager's job is defined by the person that sits in the chair. So when he hired me, he said, I don't want to scout. You know, I've got plenty of scouts. Um, I need you to do um, for the Yankees what you have been doing for players. He said, I need you to be my compliance officer. I need you to be the general counsel of baseball. I need you to advise me. I need you to let me know what I can and cannot do. Um, I need to, you know, and I, I need the players to know what they can and cannot do, the coaches and the managers. So that's sort of what I do um, in in my day. And I, um, you know, I, I, I cover the major league, the minor league, player development, pro, amateur, and international scouting, anything in the baseball operations department and, and sort of a, you know, a, um, advice and counsel upon request um, is part of it. Um, and then we have also, I guess what people are calling generalists, um, and those are the um, younger people who <laughs> um, also prepare um, some of the advanced reports, who make sure that the players, the coaches, and the managers um, get the information, um, who make sure that, um, that, who oversee these army of, of uh, people working in the front office. Um, you know, we have to, we have to, at, at a certain level, you, um, you know, you interact with the doctors and the trainers and the strength and conditioning folks to find out, you know, on a daily basis, um, what's going on with the team, um, who's able, who's not able, um, who you have to kind of watch out for. Um, a, a team is a, is a, is a, you know, it's a, it's an, ecosystem and it's a living breathing organism and on a daily basis it has um, needs that any sort of living thing has and and in order to make sure that that team can go out and perform at its highest level um, you have to support them in everything that they need to do to prepare and then in game you have to make sure that um, you know you almost have to watch out for the other guy make sure that the, you know, the opposing team is <clears throat> not being naughty. Um, and, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot that, that, that goes before the, before the team hits the field. Um, yeah, there's the, the, the great unknowns who toil um, in obscurity. Um, all wanting to be general managers, except for me, but except for you, <laughs> yeah, for we, me. but you know what, Gene, maybe you haven't used all your nine lives yet. I mean, who knows? You know, it, 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 you, you don't want you say you don't want to be a general manager, but you could still run a major studio. I mean, your life's, you know, you're, you're, I, 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 I get a sense that your path, your path is not over yet. Right? I totally agree. You know, I still want to win a Golden Globe. I I always tell, um, um, you know, Michael Kay when we have the welcome home dinner and they announce, you know, we, we go walking towards the, the dais and. And I always tell him, could you just sneak in there, you know, senior vice president, assistant general manager, starting our 19th season and 2000, uh, you know, 20 Golden Globe nominee. Uh, <laughs> but once again, I'm, I, you know, he has to be honest. So, <laughs> no, it's great. You know, it, 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 the, the whole, you know, the, the whole metrics and the analytics part of the game, which is obviously it's changed the game. You know, so th this is a game that's not just run by analytics, but it's also you take the analytics to help you make better decisions Correct. about, um, about, you know, about people, but they, they, I don't think so yet, but, you know, artificial intelligence and analytics hasn't yet been able to measure somebody's heart and no. sort of some of the intangibles <laughs> talk, talk about how you mix both the analytics and maybe, 
some of the intangibles as you're, you know, you're making decisions about filling out a, a roster and developing people who are going to be your, you know, they're nobodies today, but you're hoping they're going to be somebody's tomorrow. Describe how those two, you know, your, your, the analytics and, and sort of the intangibles, how do they, how do they factor into decisions? So I think in order to, one of the things that Brian Cashman has done um, is that in order to run what I think of as the perfect beast of a baseball operations department, the pendulum can't swing one way or the other. And um, you have the, you know, the, the professional scouts, um, those that are attending games, those that are crisscrossing the country, those that are talking with other scouts in the scout section, which by the way, is the busy, biggest gossip session that you could ever <laughs> that you could ever hope to enjoy but you know those sort of um the exchange of information on a personal level is very important when you are um deciding you know who's going to be called up who's going to be sent down um and information is currency i mean information is the is the is the best thing we have and um the best predictive analysts understand that their information is only as good as what the scouts can bring to them. So, um, so you're right. There's a, and I don't think there should be a tension between quotes, old school and new school. As a matter of fact, I think predictive analytics is a little bit old school on its own now because now the, the, the new frontier is performance science. So, um, you know, that discipline is one that is factoring its way into game preparation, player preparation, and player decisions. So, um, the, you know, the $64 trillion question is how to keep players healthy. Um, and that involves a lot of things that performance science can give a player. And by the way, I think these, like these kids are coming out, these kids, oh my God, I never thought I would, these kids, No, these that's okay. Kids, that's all right. It's all right. These young kids today. But these, these young players that are coming out of high school and college programs are accustomed to a lot more um, preparation than players, even on the major league level in some cases. They have all kinds of um, uh, machines, devices, um, analytics. And so they, they, are, they come to a major league team and they're thirsty for the same information that they would get on the college level to prepare themselves. And they're smart enough to know that, that they need as much information as they can process. That's the big issue, of course, is you can collect all this information, um, but communication is the most important thing that, that I'm not sure that anybody has really mastered um, because obviously... Uh, people in a front office maybe don't think the same way that that players do. Not any better or any worse, but you know everybody's brain is wired differently. Even players on a team, you know, think differently. So you have to really um, gauge and calibrate the kind of information that each player you know wants and the kind of information that each player can use, um, because sometimes it can be sort of overkill. Um, but there's a lot that goes into uh, you know we the the internet also, we, we, um, you know, we pour over every morsel of information that's out there about a player's performance. Um, and then you have to figure out if it's, you know, when it, when it's the intangibles, you have to figure out if it's right or wrong. And former players, players themselves are sometimes the best, um, people to tell you about the intangibles because they face them year in and year out, or they, or like you, Jake, they, they were in college with them. 
Um, so they can give you mm -hmm. kind of information about the how that guy is wired internally um, that will help you make a decision about whether or not, you know, we want that guy to be a Yankee. Well, and, and the simplest way of, of saying that is, is there's so many layers, yes. right? Like it's got to go, you know, whether it's coming from yourself to someone else below you to then to the coach, to the player, and maybe the coach, you know, because of his experience and he, maybe he played in the big leagues versus a coach that didn't and, and the player he's talking to is a veteran and the other one's a rookie. I mean, there's all different types of combinations like you're explaining in terms of uh, adjusting to because it seems like you try and get better every day there's one thing after another that you're learning and then you look a month down the road or a year down the road and all of a sudden that's old news yeah. or something else new how do you keep up with it all and it, it seems like just kind of a constant almost merry-go-round right yeah I mean the uh, that's you know the the the, the great thing about the internet is that information is available 24 seven and is constantly being updated. And, you know, the downside is that the, it's just this avalanche of, of new information all the time. And, um, you know, for players, I'm going to put on my agent hat now, but for, for players, their, their careers are so short, they can be incredibly short um, due to injury. Uh, and they have a very small window um, within which to earn money for themselves and their family. So um, they, are, they are very cautious and suspicious sometimes about information, you know, about data. They feel that, you know, data is a, is a bad thing and data is going to harm their career. But, you know, facts are facts. So, um, you know, it'll either rise or fall on, on the facts. But it, it is, it, that's where I think, um, experience comes in. Uh, if you've been around the game for any period of time, you can siphon out what is real and not real and what sounds maybe not like, not, I don't believe that, or that doesn't sound true. So it's constantly, you know, sifting through sand actually, and trying to meld all these different disciplines together um, everybody always wants to find the diamond in the rough. You know, everybody wants to find a little nugget of gold in, uh, in the river. Um, so um, I always joke with um, one of our guys, he's always wanting to sign, as I call it, birds with broken wings because, you know, they'll, they'll have a, you know, they'll have a breakout <laughs> season next year. Um, and, and sometimes actually, you know, it is true that you, you track a player's career and you realize that a player is not going to be that kind of player with his skills is not going to be down for long. So um, not in terms of injury, but, you know, may have had a down year and due for a bounce back. Um, so it's uh, part of it, though. I mean, I, I'm I, it's all you know, it's all information. It's all facts. But, you know, still, as we know from the San Francisco Giants, there's just a tiny bit of magic that goes into it. Well, there, there is a magic. And, you know, I would say that the Yankees and the Giants and some of the, you know, some of the, I mean, it means something when you put the pinstripes on or when you wear the orange and black, it sort of, it means something. And, you know, the, it, it, describe a little bit about, you know, we, we live in a, in a sort of a Twitter age now right. where you're a 20 year old kid, 22 year old kid, and you come out and if you have some ability, not only do you face some challenges trying to get yourself 
you know, prepared to actually play the game, but you've got other challenges about the visibility that's out there. Yes. When you when you're a New York Yankee, that adds doesn't that add some additional responsibility to you? And how, how do you get kids to understand that? that additional pressure. Um, we have yeah. a we have a fantastic um, head of of media relations, Jason Zillow, and for many years. Um, Jason um, developed, um, I think, what to me is the gold standard in the industry. Um, in spring training, um, he does um, media training for all of the players. Um, and a lot of it is, uh, and, and then it goes, you know, 365 days a year, um, where the media relations department is constantly um, talking to the players and, and, and making them aware of what, you know, what is good and what is not good. So in the, in spring training, um, you know, we talked to them about their social media, um, you know, about their social media presence, about what, you know, you, what you should and shouldn't do, not what you can and can't do. Cause you know, everybody has a personal life. If you want to sort of screw up your, you know, your image, go ahead and do it. Um, but you know, your career is going to be very short. If you do this sort of thing on Twitter, no club is going to want to sign you. Um, and you have a responsibility as a New York Yankee. And then we even run them through, um, um, you know, um, hypotheticals, you know, different people, um, you know, a approach them as reporters with um, topics that may be incendiary and, you know, they're coached on how to respond. Um, <laughs> and they're shown, a, um, you know, uh, Jason and his staff put together um, a, you know, a, a video of, of sort of um, real life do's and don'ts um and then we're, we have the benefit of, of a lot of yankee veterans who also um, make appearances um in spring training and then we're lucky to have you know this year cc is is joined us in the front office we have andy pettit um nick swisher and hideki matsui and and they and reggie jackson and they're they're present throughout the year um and uh and they're able to talk with players and and you know young players respect veterans um, they respect them for what they've gone through and, and for what they have to say. And, and, you know, some of our veterans also have been through the dark side and come out on the other end. So it's a, it is a responsibility to be a major league baseball player and yeah, Twitter and Instagram, those are humbling, um, humbling things. Well, I, the best I, I description I've, you know, I've used and, and talking with some of the, some young people about it. It's like whatever you put out there is sort of like a tattoo. Yes. I mean, it, 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 it lives with you out there. And um, but it, the alumni that you have, you know, you mentioned some of them that come around and, you know, some of the some of the alumni, you know, have they were young players at one time. Yes. Some of them some of them don't really know what it was all about until it's all over. Yeah. And so that sort of maturity that can really help with a young player. Yes. Yes. You know, the, the, they do. Um, I was at a, um, I was at the baseball writers of America dinner. Um, I think when Mike Trout was uh, a, a rookie and I was on the, I was every little boy's dream. I was seated on the dais between Mike Trout and Miguel Cabrera and CC was on the other side of, of um, Trout. And um, as a young player, um, I noticed that Mike Trout, uh, everything CC did, he did. When CC stood to applaud, he applauded, stood and applauded. He, he watched everything CC did, and he did what the veteran did. And I think that's kind of that's one of those great things in baseball that I don't think has changed in decades. 
you know, you see how the veterans handle themselves and then you try and do as they've done. Um, Mark Deshera gave a great, um, uh, when in part of the media training some years ago, uh, one player, I, I, and I think this is good for every profession, but one player asked him, young kid in the minors asked him, um, when you are at your locker and a media member um, comes over, um, do you do you stand or do you sit? And Tech said, I always stand because uh, I want to be eye level with them. And he actually said, and I always put my chair in front of me so that there's a, you know, there's a zone. Um, he said, because I respect them, they respect me. And it's just a lot more comfortable if we're not both in each other's faces. And you know, those are, those are small things that you may not think about, but when you're a young player and you see, you know, this gaggle of reporters, you know, bearing down on you um, because you blew a save, I mean, that's, that's a terrifying thing. <laughs> so It is, and, and these, these reporters, though, you know, they're all trying to do their jobs. Yes. They, have, they have, you know, in, in sort of an understanding that they're not just trying to be pests, they actually have a job and that question that they're just dying to ask and they're worried about, is it going to set somebody off? Is right. it, is it going to, is it, am I going to strike a nerve that maybe I didn't mean to strike? But on the other hand, I have to ask this question uh, to sort of do my job. And I think, you know, I think veteran players too, at least I've seen it is they can sort of help uh, help these young guys f- sort of think through some of these situations and, you know, nobody's nobody's can go through this being a professional athlete without making a mistake. Right. You know, you make them you make them on the field, but you yeah. can also make them off the field. But I think it's it's just developing the sort of character that you need to be to have longevity in the business. And you know, the Yankees have always been. It it means something to be a Yankee. And, yes. Uh, you know, by the time this this podcast um, this podcast is out, um, you know, we're going to know what the Hall of Fame voting is going to be actually do do we know do we know maybe you can break it here first (laughs) Uh, yes so we know that Derek Jeter and Larry Walker were elected to the Hall of Fame oh that's wow it's fantastic Fantastic. so yeah that's pretty exciting um and um and Gene Gene to that point you know it's their their family right and and um one of our other co-hosts Andy Dolich has always said you know, you've got two families, one at work and one at home. And yeah. um, there's, you know, there's something about that family that at work that you, you quite frankly, Pat will tell you, right? You spend more time with oh, you the do. family at work than you do the <laughs> one at home. So, you know, when you see something like that, where Derek gets inducted to the Hall of Fame and he's got this, you know, great accomplishment or someone like yourself who gets gets their award. And, and at the end of the day, it's all a family that's all you know, trying to take care of one another, right? And look out for each other. What's, what's that like? Yes. Well, I'll tell you one thing. That's probably the only time that, that Derek Jeter and I would be compared in terms of our accomplishments. <laughs> so I thank you for that. Um, but, you know, you do, uh, I, I wanted to make clear, you know, I'm a big fan of the media I, I, and, the, and the press and they do a great job and they do a great job, um, our press corps at the Yankees. Um, and, you know, Derek Jeter, I don't think there was anybody better uh, than Derek in, in being able to, um, you know, respond and respect and manage the media when he was a Yankee. Um, and so he figures a, a great deal in our media training. But um, we do spend more um, time with um, at the Yankees than we do with our own families, <clears throat> more time at that stadium. 
and you, um, you know, and the, there are good things and bad things. So, you know, just like every family, every family um, functions well. There's a great Tolstoy line that I never remember, which is something like, you know, happy families are all happy in the same way. Unhappy families are unhappy differently. Or maybe it's the other way around. Anyway, the, you know, you, you have a, you, you, you want to be a high functioning family. You don't want to be a dysfunctional family. So because they are your family, you actually have to, I think, put a little more effort into your, your relationships with your coworkers and with your players and your manager and your coaching staff than maybe you normally would if you had a nine to five job. Because, you know, in a regular job in the civilian world, you know, you get out, you, you're Monday through Friday, you're there for a certain amount of time. And then you don't have to see these people at night or on the weekends, or you could if you like them. But we're all in that stadium together and on the road together for, you know, hours and days and weeks and months on end. And so you better get along is really sort of the, the <laughs> message. And you better try and, and locate, you better try and capitalize on what you have in common rather than, you know, what your differences are. So it does function like a, like a family. And, and I think, you know, like a, hopefully if you're lucky, it functions like a functional family, not like a dysfunctional. <laughs> well, Gene, we can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, Pat, you got anything to wrap up? Well, Gene, I, I was looking forward to talking with you. I, uh, I'm sorry we sort of missed each other when you were coming up in San Francisco, but I look forward to, you know, sort of, uh, you know, maybe seeing you face to face again. And I'll, I'll just tell you this. I admire not just the job that you're doing, but how you're doing it. And I think that, uh, you know, you you take what you do very seriously, but you can tell from listening to you that you don't you don't take yourself all that seriously. <laughs> And I think well, that that is a, that's a, that, I think that's a tremendous strength um, in, a, in, a, um, in a business that is so visible and so many people care about it and is so passionate. That doesn't mean that you don't have the passion about it. It's just that you realize that the people who do it um, are really the same as anybody else. They just get to do something really, really cool and uh, be part of a real legacy. And so I'd I just like to, to just finish this up and say, and this is a maybe a unfair question, but, but Gene, you, you, you know, you've had an incredible career so far. You're going to go, you know, I, I think we're going to hear from other things, but what would you like when people say, talk about Gene, what would you like your, your legacy to be and, and the way that they think about you? Well, actually, I'd like them to just quote you in the last whatever it is. You know what? I I I I I would like to um, I I would I would like to be known as somebody who um, was respected by her peers um, and worked really hard um, and uh, and you know made a difference um, and and I'm going to add this and didn't fuck up. <laughs> so, that's that's what hey hey jake don't you dare bleep that okay oh no 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 I, i'm known for the delicacy of my language um, so. So, sometimes sometimes there's just only certain words that will that will do that's absolutely correct absolutely i learned that at cal from a sociology professor so that's absolutely correct um, well, it's been a, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I, um, I, uh, you know, I hope I was, I was able to 
share something and not go off on a, on a tangent. I work with, I work for tremendous people and I work with tremendous people. Um, and I think that's also part of any individual's success is you have to work for, you know, great people and you have to work with great people. And I've been really fortunate in that regard. So, um, you know, choose your organization wisely. I want to take the time to thank you for listening to Life in the Front Office. And if you liked our episode, please rate us on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We greatly appreciate it. And for more episodes, visit us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on our website at lifeinthefrontoffice.com. And please continue to share uh, with your colleagues on social media and help us continue to grow. Thanks.